Welcome to episode 35 of Whole Lot of Wolves. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. And I'm Paul LePage. And with this being the season finale, as well as with the bombshell news of Nuno leaving the squad, we brought back an all-star crew. We got Ted Ely. We got hey. Andrew Smith. We got hey. Wolfman Jeff. And we hey. got Alex Winter here. Hey, guys. How's it going, guys? Uh, <laughs> uh, so obviously the news came out on Friday about Nuno leaving. And as soon as it did, I said, Paul, we got to get a big podcast here. No, there's no news. There's no news. I, I don't know. There, it does not exist. This news does not exist. I keep on waking up each morning and thinking that it didn't. But today was finally the day where I had to be accepting of it. So, yeah. So Wolves lost today to Man U's C team, 2-1. I should say they lost to Mike Dean, but whatever. So, Paul, obviously the game at this point was just a whatever. It was just determining 12th or 13th place for us. So we're just going to jump right into the Nuno news. Paul, I'm going to let you start off. And then, Andrew, I'm going to go to you afterwards, so you be ready. Cause... <laughs> right, I'm ready. Let's do it. Paul, what were your thoughts? Uh, immediately when it hit, I thought it was April Fool's Day. I literally saw the tweet. I was finishing up my breakfast. I saw the tweet exactly when it happened and I double glanced at it, couldn't believe it, then started looking around to see that it was actually happening. And then just from that point onwards, you start thinking to yourself, well, what are the circumstances around it? And were some of the rumours true about him missing home and the impact of the pandemic? And then you start reading between the lines of the reasoning behind it and then to begin with, it seemed amicable and it was by mutual consent and that could have fit the narrative that Nuno was looking for a break. And then as time's gone on, you just start thinking the guy was one year into a new three-year contract and he knew about the circumstances of the pandemic prior to signing that. And as the days have gone on and up to really this morning, it definitely seems like it's a uh, an air of that it was the, the club's decision and that, that Fosun are pulling the strings. On one hand, I'm gutted. I think he still should have had next season, really, benefit of a full squad and, and injury and signings if, if that was going to happen. But then on the other side, it's now a massive call from the owners if they perceived that this season, regardless of the circumstances, was a failure to cut a guy loose after that performance, it is one heck of a big call. I'm really sad, firmly behind Nuno. I think he would have done okay, but if they've seen something, if something's gone on behind the scenes that they needed to make this call for the betterment of the club, then it's on their head now going forwards and they best have a guy that can come in and have a better body of work behind him, a better resume than two seventh place finishes in the Prem, a 13th FA Cup semi-final and a good run in the Europa League. It's got to be a marked improvement on that for me to really buy into the decision. Okay, before I go to Andrew, just real quick roll call. Who was shocked by the decision and who thinks it's a good decision? Teddy, either of those? Uh, yeah, I was definitely shocked. My sister sent me a text message just saying Nuno, and I, had, I was like, what are you talking about? So I had to rush on Twitter and see. Yeah, definitely put me in the shocked category. Okay. Jeff, were you surprised? 
And uh, do you think it's a good decision? I don't think it's a good decision, but I think time's going to tell if it was a good decision. And it's too early to tell because if they've lost confidence in themselves, then maybe it was right. I know a friend of mine, and I'll let him speak after me, had suggested <laughs> it might happen. And so my first thought was, so I wasn't completely surprised, but I thought, oh, no, I don't want Andrew to be right. And so the reason I really wanted Andrew, I'm glad he, you're able to make it on here today, is I remember after that first West Brom loss, 3-2, to two, Andrew said, I think Nuno's gone. And we've been telling him for months, Andrew, you are crazy. Nuno's not going anywhere. Not only is Nuno gone, but the word is he almost got sacked after that West Brom game. First off, I got to say you were right. But are you glad you're right? I'm not. I think deep down, I think something was terribly wrong in Nuno and the management behind the doors. Something broke down drastically and I think where it comes into and probably leading into something here is ever since Kevin Thelwell left and now Jeff She is in charge I'm concerned the next move in who are we going to pick and I'm starting to wonder is the group of Jeff She and Menendez too powerful that they are really controlling now the whole thing and did Nuno lose the grip on the team because Jeff and Menendez were the two almost conspiring to get him out? And it's always been playing in the back of my mind. And I, I think when Kevin left and went to what to New York Red Bulls, mm -hmm. I think it's uh, it's hurt us. And there's another prediction I'll throw out here: if the next manager is not equal or better by Christmas of Nuno, I would not be surprised if Jeff She. He's out of chairman at Wolves. How's that? Whoa, okay. That's, How about that one? I, that's a good one. And, and honestly, I don't think you're that far off. So we'll that, we'll get back to that as uh, we go on in the show here. You mentioned Kevin Thelwell. So I'm going to be quoting a lot of Tim Spears' article because I think the one that was in The Athletic about Nuno's departure, that's by far the best one I've seen. A lot of bombshells in there. And they did mention Kevin Thelwell. Uh, a source in the club said, hey, this is starting to build since October. Nuno didn't lose the dressing room, but they were wondering whether he was as good a manager as people were making out. And that there's a lack of real structure and leadership there without Thelwell. He was very good at bringing the departments together, and things haven't gone as smoothly since then. Another thing that was very interesting is they were talking about a lot of the moves that Thelwell was wanting to make, for instance, he wanted to bring in Danny Olmo instead of Daniel Potence. Paul, I, I know you read the article. Were you surprised to hear some of these things about behind the scenes? Yeah, it's a worry. I think definitely there, there was always that impression given that Nuno was very hands-on. He wouldn't have as much leeway at another club that everything went through him. And those types of decisions, it, it, it could well be to the detriment when it comes down to balancing the decisions on, on signing players. If it's an Olmo or a Podence, that Spears article as well talked up Samedo a lot as well, that he really is Nuno's guy. That was the num number one target through the summer. It's got an uneasy feeling to it. And... It, it is a worry that we might have so much power 
centralized in in so few people now but then on the flip side i'm thinking where's this real influence or push come from because obviously mendez that's nuno's agent so he'd want what's best for his client so i'm i'm not sure what the dynamic is now between club and agent and ownership and nuno have they by doing this pissed mendez off i think that's one to look at in the future is it going to be a total new direction that they're going to go in? I think it's re- we could be going into really uncharted waters and we'll come on to successes and everything. But I think it's going to be pretty telling when the new managers announced how this is all going to play out. Teddy, do you feel like the last couple of transfer windows were Nuno's undoing? Yeah. Tim Spears also mentioned back in, I think, February that we were off after Huang Hee Chen from Osberg at the time as well. I feel Uh like he could have been a really nice addition. Yeah, something we haven't really brought up yet was this, this, that I feel like is a big one, is that switch to the Mm 4-2-3-1. Nuno trained for three straight seasons, the five at the back formation, and then... All of a sudden, one game, I think it was against Arsenal, he, he just pulls out a 4 2 3 1, and it says that they hadn't really practiced it at all, and they want to transition to a more possession based side. But if you look historically at Nuno's teams, they hadn't been super attacking a possession base, and just to try and transfer this whole new system like a quarter of the way through the season was just, yeah, very crazy decision, I feel like. And, and, and I felt that kind of led to some of his undoing as as well and yeah the transfer windows yeah i still think fabio silva is going to be a great player i think nelson Semedo did better as the season went on and kiana hoiver i think he's a bright prospect i think it would have been nice to get one more first teamer in but yeah the squad could have used freshening up but I, I, yeah as everyone's alluded to i think there's more behind the scenes going on than than what we thought and i remember when they made that switch to the 4231 because the first game they did it connor cody was out with covid violations and so it just kind of felt like they had to do it and then they brought it back that next game against arsenal and that's where raul got hurt so that brings up the big question Wolfman Jeff, are we sitting here talking about Nuno gone if Raul stays healthy and plays the whole season? Probably not. To be honest, I think he was the biggest change. You compound that with, we already knew Johnny was going to be out, but then Marcel out, Neto out, that was massive. Pedence in and out. But it all goes back to Raul because so many things were pivoting off him. And if he wasn't scoring, someone around him was. Yeah, we have never been known to score a lot of goals, but it was so surrounded by Raul that once he was gone, our our creativity dropped. And it fell really to Adama, who's always been, who's, who's amazing, but he's also very spotty. And so Neto was our most dependable attacker. And, and I think he, I was really impressed with how Neto took us on his shoulders and carried us. He was a real leader. So when you add that Neto went down, it all of a sudden you had some of the ones who really weren't ready to lead this year to have to do it. So I think Silva was a good signing. He got a lot of experience this year that we didn't plan. Jose was a, a panic buy. and, and I, Thank I'm not God that was just alone. Thank yes, God. yes. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. it was just alone. We did get to see more out of Morgan Gibbs-White, 
that I don't think we would have seen. So there's those positives. But yeah, I think if Raul was there, I don't think we were we would be in this situation. The one thing that a lot of people are not bringing up, Jimenez was great in defense too. How many goals have been scored against us on set pieces this season? <laughs> and he was always roaming the box or watching the post. And I'm trying to think it was the Burnley game. And the Burnley game, when they took the second corner, and I think they scored right off the header, no one was on the post. No one was watching. It was so many open spaces. And it's very disappointing. So with Jimenez being out, it really hurt both ends, scoring and defending. Really yeah. I do want to point out that the Burnley match never happened as well. So uh, <laughs> that's also scratched away from Andrew, you, you must have just had a, a really bad dream or something. So I don't I know did. where you got that from. Wasn't that, uh, who, who scored the hat-trick on that uh, day? Chris no. Wood. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> All's favorite. Uh, and again, I think that when you start reading be, between the lines, speculation and all of that, it's results like that when they happened in the season that were very telling. Mm-hmm. That has this been planned for some while? And we'll come on to it later when, when it comes to replacements, but there have been definitely names kicked around earlier in, in the part of the season, and even to the extent of Mendes potentially shopping Nuno to other suitors that start to make you wonder if this has been on the cards for some time. My take on that, Paul, is the further up you get as far as in everyone's consciousness, the higher or the increase of chatter, you're going to get more and more chatter. So I, I I read that as that we're flying too close to the sun. So we're going to get more attention and our names brought up again and again. And but yeah, I do think after that meeting, from what I was able to read on the Tim Spears article, that I think both sides started seeing they, they updated their resume and wanted to see who was out there. Yeah. Paul, do you think everybody's saying it's a mutual decision? Do you think it really is? Or do you think one way or the other, somebody was pushing to leave? I think it's the latter and the push came from the club. I think Nuno weighed up his options and thought, yeah, if the pandemic has hit him hard and there's an opportunity to go back to Portugal for a role, he'll be able to leave with his head held relatively high. And I think that's been the circumstances that's allowed today happen. Again, it does seem that it's he's been given a send-off because the news started to break or there was those stronger whispers that something significant was going to happen in, in the close season. So I think that's come, it's come from the club and it's down to the club in what they've done to this point, trying to dictate the narrative so that they can handle the situation in the best possible way. How about you, Teddy? What do you think? It Was, was it mutual or not? Yeah, he said he always had a contract for another two years. Signing again in September, the pandemic was going on. We'd seen how much he'd been struggling through. It was really surprising. And yeah, I do agree with Paul. I think a lot of the sources in Tim Spears' article came from the club. And I feel like they were definitely... Uh, trying to push their narrative that it's, yeah, that was a mutual termination. But as I said, another two years left, this whole entire backroom staff's leaving, even though they all loved it at Wolverhampton. I find it very su- surprising as well. Andrew, you've been calling 
the team boring. They're saying that we're boring to watch for a few months now. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of us could disagree with you there. It was tough to watch at times. Why do you think it did fall into that boring play when really for the first three years under Nuno, it had been pretty exciting with counterattacking? No, I totally agree. And it was, I was scared to turn the TV on anymore. It was just so predictable. I'd switch and watch the game and I thought, here we go again. I think, was this decision done a little while back and the team knew? Did the team know that Nuno was out? Did he clearly say, look, the end of the season, this is, we're mutually moving on, things are done. And did the team just somewhat a little bit give up? Were they bored with Nuno or did they just not believe in Nuno? The speculation I read somewhere on the internet also that some of the players may have had a little bit of back gossip in the back room there, talking badly about Nuno, that he's run out of ideas, there's nothing new, nothing fresh. And uh, maybe they just uh, decided to give up. Playing today, even uh, as the game today, actually, even though we lost, and I know it didn't mean anything, but the way they played, I think if we'd have put that effort in, maybe three or four more games, we could have grabbed a few more draws or a couple more wins. I think we could have ended up being as high as ninth or tenth because there really isn't that much difference. Mm-hmm. And if they would have put that effort in, a few more games, I, I believe we'd have had a few more points. Would it have survived at that point? Hard to tell. Hard to predict. So you bring up an interesting thing about the players and. I think what's very interesting here is talks of Adama's contract at the beginning of the season sounded like it was really frustrating and he was on the bench. And then suddenly we're starting to hear a week or two ago, oh, this looks like it's going to happen pretty quickly. You're mentioning there may have been talking to players. Do you think Adama is one of those guys? And would he be in uh, this is for Paul and Paul, do you think he'd be re-signing if Nuno was still here? I've got no real basis to judge it, but I think it would be. I think as a character, Adama seems one of those players that would thrive with the the armor and the shoulder and the encouragement and, and the coaching. And I think his social media activity has been certainly gracious towards the backroom team about where he's come from as a player because we could talk about his form being patchy all you like, but he's certainly his value certainly rocketed beyond what we paid for him. So that factors into it as well that he's developed as a player. And I think that is going to be, I, I can't call it now. I think it's going to be really telling when it comes to a new contract, how much mm-hmm. of, of an influence that Nuno had over Adama, because if he doesn't, if he was Nuno's guy, then I could see this being a final straw for, for him to push to a move bigger elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Alex, looking at the squad, which guys do you look at and say, this is somebody that's going to want out now that Nuno's leaving? That, that Nuno's leaving, there's... Uh... A few ones that I think, I think part of it, I think Jao Matinho is, is going to want out personally. It depends that it, it, Connor Cody might want out with a bear because Connor Cody has been, I mean, transformed under Nuno. 
I really think it's it's those two and and Adama, as was mentioned before, that I really think are the ones that really want to stick it. Because Neves, even though Neves was under Nuno, both at Porto and here at Wolves, I don't necessarily think he's tied to it because they didn't have a great relationship at Porto, per se. So I'm not exactly sure if Neves would need to leave with that, but I feel the others definitely have an opportunity. But I think Neves might leave only only if they do sell the other ones, then Neves might leave, not because of Nuno, but because of other players leaving. So I felt like... The most concerning thing I read in Tim Spears' article was this little line. He had anticipated that a Champions League-level club may have approached him by now, preferably in England, but in the absence of that, there was risk he could damage his reputation should this summer's rebuilding job, and then in parentheses, with a small budget in terms of net spend being offered to him, in parentheses, not go to plan. Okay, so obviously this last summer was a, was very little net spend because they did sell off Jada. Wolfman, do you think do you think that's pause for concern and for the summer that hey, we're going to be selling off a lot of people for wanting to make changes? Yeah, I don't know what the plans are in there. I don't think there's as much wiggle room as we would like. I know the January transfer window, one of the things that really hit them was the impact of Brexit. And they didn't have the options to go to like they usually go to. And I also think from the summer, they were focusing more on future and intending for a lot of our players to be available for year round. So I think that impacted them. But yeah, it's uh, if you're talking about resale value, if you will, you if you we're at a point now that some of our players, Adama isn't the same value he was a year ago. Correct. Neto, I'm confident Neto is staying because you can't get rid of Neto right now. Roll is a question mark. So some of these players, I think, would be very difficult to unload. Actually, I think that Bali is one of the more likely to be sold. And I think uh, uh, Giammatino is likely to retire. But yeah, I I think he feels frustrated that Fosun doesn't want to spend. But at the same time, and it, I, I think that there's something to the fact that it we're missing the staff there, at least the staff to get these new players in that we let go, or they weren't giving Nuno that authority that he had wanted. It does make sense that, yeah, he didn't want to go because, yeah, if we're six games in and he's cut, that's, yeah, he might as well just sit out the rest of the year or take a side he doesn't want it he doesn't want to take that makes sense and mm-hmm. so i think that the timing as hurtful as it was to us it actually is beneficial to nuno and i think it was beneficial to the fans because at least those who could go there could say goodbye and in person and it does break my heart for so many of my friends in wolverhampton who couldn't get in because there was only so many tickets there yeah i i think as important as this um uh, window is going to be in the summer i really think that the most important one will probably be the next one because whoever comes in they're going to make some changes but they're going to want to really put their mark in after they've been in a in a year but i yeah it's going to be telling for us to see how much uh Fosin is willing to invest in a top-notch coach 
but also in top-notch first-team players. So I'm going to let all you guys answer this. I'm going to start off with Paul. Of the starting 11 that was today, we had Aitnery, Saiz, Connor Cody, Bali, Nelson Semedo, Motinho, Neves, Dendonker, Fabio, Adama. Of those, oh, and Patricio. Of those 11, how many of those are you think are gone by the end of the next transfer window, the summer transfer window? I'll start with you, Paul. I think you could be looking at a good half of that number. I think Patricio's gone. I think Matinho's gone. And then it really comes down to who, who are Nuno's guys. I think based on that, I think Bolly's going to go as well. And I think it's very much down to talking about net spend, but also talking about wages as well. Mm-hmm. That purportedly Patricio and Moutinho are the biggest, two of the biggest earners at over 100 grand a week. So if they're off the wage bill, if we do lose a, a key player, but for a significant amount, is it wiser to have the wages that are saved from Patricio and, and Moutinho there to help fund the new arrivals coming in, probably younger, that's got more resale value. So I think it's, I think either way, regardless of whether it's a Portuguese rehash or someone totally left field in terms of new coach coming in, I think it's going to be significant overhaul this summer. Okay. Teddy, how many of the guys you think will be gone? Yeah, I was just writing it down. I, th- I think for sure, like the for sure categories, Patricio and, and Moutinho. And then my like maybe category, I got Saiz, Den Donker, I think Bali and Adama. I think the rest are likely. I, I fully expect Connor Cody to stay. I'd be very surprised if he left the yeah. club. Okay, so T- Teddy is, I, I, you know what? I think it's going to develop into Team Neves versus Team Adama. So we <laughs> yeah. may have to see if he keep it count. So I'll, I'll say Teddy is Team Neves. I know somebody else who's going to be Team Neves, and that's Andrew. Who else do you think is going to be gone from the squad? All right. I think Dendonka, Patricio, Bolly. I think we might lose Cody for a big sum. I think Cody's going to go somewhere else now. That's my thought. I don't think he's I know, I know. But you know what? Now you start looking at the unknown, right? We're so out there. I tell you one thing I thought if Nuno would have stayed and Matinho would have retired, I thought Matinho would have joined the Wolf staff behind the scenes now, pal. Now, I would love him to stay with the new guy. Maybe he might uh, because he might be settled in Wolverhampton. I'm not sure. But I would love to see him stay, whoever the new guy is, and actually bring the new youngsters on, Morgan, give White, give them experience and coach, do that side of the business. I'd love to see him in that slot. Alex, who do you think uh, will be gone? I think Kate Nori is not going to be uh, re oh, interesting. Interesting. So, uh, I feel Vinagra is going to come back and they're going to go ahead and have him as the intern. Yeah, he's basically the step overs and, and not great defense. But I mean, spent if they're not going to spend much money, why are you going to spend $18 million on a left back that you're not certain is going to be your long term starter? And yeah, it's Johnny is going to be for months but again but but i think they're gonna stick with Vinagra. i'm with angel that i think cody is going to be gone especially since the most rumored like the first choice as some people are saying bruno lage plays a four at the back system and so uh cody as is shown is not really that adept at a, a four at the back system 
I feel that he will will go. I mean, has a chance of staying, but but yeah, I think he's going to go somewhere, either the MLS circuit. I don't think he's going to retire. I think he's going to continue on his career. I think he's going to go to MLS or Qatar or something like that to continue on his career. But uh, because it's winding down his national career, but I still think that because he's willing to join a project, I think he might join a project somewhere else type of thing. And I think Adama will be gone. I also think Neves, because it's one of Neves or Matinho has to go. Because Neves and Matinho have shown they don't work together that well. And so it's one of them has to go. And basically, if no one is wanting Matinho, then Neves is going to go. Because I don't think it's one or the other. And uh, and I think Adama is going to go unless they can't get a couple of replacements. Since since Lodge is a, a two striker, he generally has played a four four two with with basically overlapping and, and free roam wingers. I think that I think Adama is going to go, and they're going to maybe use that money plus Mir plus the others, the the Guedes from from Valencia. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know who had a more disgusted look when you mentioned Vinagre coming back, me or Wolfman Jeff. <laughs> I, think, I think we were both ready to throw up in the trash can. Uh, Wolf- Raphael Moore, I hear he's been hot lately. What's going on there, do you think? I think that might be a, a straight, not a straight swap. I think Wolves may have to, but yeah, you mentioned Giancarlo Guedes. Um, I, I think him and Mir are going to be switching sides permanently. Yeah, they, yeah. This is the way you have to look at it. It's some guys perform better and they move to the Spanish league from the EPL like Mir and play better. And then you got Raul, who really wasn't good in La Liga. He comes over to EPL and tears it up. So we can hope that for Guedes if he's the guy. Jeff, who's who's going? Okay, I already mentioned I expect uh, Jean Matinho to be gone, either retire or gone. I think the MLS idea might work for him for money. So you guys in Houston, maybe push for them to bring Zhao your way. That would be interesting. You we have to see to if our up. new owner is actually, because right now we have no designated players that start for the team. So we'll have to see if the new owner will actually pony yeah. up. But <laughs> I mentioned Bali as very likely to go. And having said that, they'll rest the back line. The other ones who started today, Cody and Saiz, I think are, I hate to say, disposable. I love Cody. He's a fan favorite. But I think I don't think his property value is going to be any higher than it is now. And, and if they want to change the system, now may be the time, as much as we, we love them out there. And then the other two, and it's going to be one of these two, and I really hate it. And, of course, I had mentioned Trari's value dropped this year comp- compared to last. But either him or Neves are the only yeah. two players we have that really have a really high resale value. I, I, I feel like I'm selling a used car here. And But if Matinho is already going to go, it doesn't make sense to get rid of Neves unless you've got something else in place. So Adama may be the one to be sacrificed so we could actually get these pieces in because we we need a new back line not just one we need a new back line and we need at least another striker and we have to beef up at our midfield i also am not sure patricio is going to come back yeah. yeah i noticed that all you guys are saying patricio gone and and i don't know if we were saying that a week ago it was out there and we're like eh, but 
I think the Nuno news sounds like all you guys are like, yeah, Patricio's gone. When you do, especially with what's gone on, it does make you look back and see where's the smoke before the fire when it comes to all of this. And I think the big one for Patricio is Roma. And mm-hmm. we wouldn't have heard an inkling about that if something wasn't in the works. Now, it might not be there, but I think if he was 100% content and all the ducks were in a row, that wouldn't have even been mooted. Something's going on with that one that's made that news come to the surface. I do want to mention that both Giammatino and Rue Patricio, we got in, at least initially, dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. We Rue just fell into our lap because of the stupidity over at Sporting, and uh, we signed Giammatino. For, for next to nothing. I that's not gonna happen again. So that's the thing is uh we're I don't think we're we're gonna I don't think that lightning is gonna strike again. And that, I think that's what everyone's crying out for. That if everything was equal at the end of this season, if you'd give us all that transfer window of when we first came up again, but refreshed for this year, that the likes of three or four genuine world class starting players We'd have, we'd have all snapped your hand off. And I think that's what we're all hoping for in order to kick on and boost ourselves up the up the league and genuinely challenge for yeah. Europe. That type of transfer window needed to happen. And that's been blown apart now because we just don't know based on who's coming in and, and what's going to happen shape-wise, formation, personnel. It's going to be crazy, really is. I do think, Paul, we need to start a social media poll to see because I think Wolfman hits her. It's going to be Adama or it's going to be Neves that goes. And I think we need to start seeing who's team Adama and who's team Neves. <laughs> I see. That's, that's what's going to get down to. I see Teddy's face and he's oh, this disgusted with it, but I can't get past that reality. I wish it was different, but I, I can't see how we could build without one of those two being sold. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so as we're starting to close out about Nuno before getting into the new coach, I'm gonna, I want all of you guys, and we'll go one by one, tell me what's going to be your favorite memory from the Nuno era now, 10 years from now. Paul, what's, what's your favorite memory? It won't be a, a single memory per se, but it will be that championship winning team and that championship winning season because those of us that have supported us through the years just knew that was something special when that team came out. Even from the very first game, we beat Middlesbrough at home and Bonatini scored and it was 1-0, it was a new formation and, and it just looked right and the whole course of that season, they they never looked troubled. They never had a bad run. It was some fantastic football. Some players caught the eye, wonderful goal. So just to do that after all the shit that we've had to put up with in that godforsaken league year in, year out, all through the 90s, all through the heartbreaks of playoffs and, and everything that went on there, it really thought that was a team that we'd take up and, and we really arrived. So... That would be my underlying memory of Nuno and what I'm thanking him for. Andrew? I would say actually two. I'm going to throw out two. One would be the Cardiff game when uh, Warnock refused to shake his hand. There was just this 
<laughs> friction and the way that Nuno was just passionate, remember? And he got sent off somewhere, and I can't remember who that was against. And I thought he was just fiery. And that fire was in his belly. He brought it to the premiership and he kept going and then he tapered off a little bit. Also, I think my really the second one close to the Cardiff will always be the uh, 3-2 comeback against Manchester City. Yeah, fantastic. And that one where that little Jimenez backflip and back uh, heel or how he flipped the ball to Doherty and he scored. It, it, it's on my YouTube and, and I play it <laughs> over and over again. When I'm depressed, I just play that over and over again. The enthusiasm, the crowd, just that whole thing was just amazing. But, incredible. Teddy? Uh, yeah, mine's the, the same as Paul's. Well, that whole entire championship season was just really special. Like, at, at the time, I think I just, just graduated college, and, you know, still looking for a job. But every single, it was every single Tuesday and Saturday, I was looking forward to the game. But in particular, that like, Bristol City at Ashton Gate on Danny Bath. Probably the last moment for the club just gets a high tackle for a red card down a man. And uh, yeah, play with 10 men for 80 minutes. And Ryan Bennett from a Barry Douglas kind of whipped in cross, heads in at the back post and just seeing Nuno's face. I think he's in the, he, he'd been ejected. I think he's in the owner's box right next to the owner, just, <laughs> just really pumping his fist. Yeah, always that moment for Nuno will always live long in my my memory. Okay, favorite on pit, on the pitch is knocking Manchester United out of the FA Cup. That is, that was history. But off the pitch, interaction with fans, of course, I've always watched that, loved that. But the celebrations, because I got to see footage of the celebrations in Wolverhampton when we won the championship. And and we knew, I think we just knocked him out of the park. We knew we were going to be promoted, but there was this huge celebration in Wolverhampton. And you could tell... He could have he could run for mayor unopposed at that moment. So that was that love of the fan. Of course, it's continued through there. I saw it a bit today, and it was bittersweet. But I don't think I've saw it quite to that level as after uh, we won uh, championship. Alex, yeah, I personally love the uh, the Bristol City moment, but I would uh, probably say in uh, addition to that, it was the the game winner. It was four three. Wolves beating Leicester at, at home, where where the goal where Jota finished up the hat trick and then Nuno ran over to be part of the celebration during that time. That embodied the essence of Nuno and that he was with the players. He was basically one with the players and just with every celebration of every goal. It's not like any other manager that's like very stuffy with it. He's very impassioned with every single Wolves goal. He is a part of the club and a non pitch moment would I mean, be just recently when he donated $250,000 to the Wolverhampton food banks to, to really help it out. It shows how much he cared about the city of Wolverhampton and Wolves in general. See, you mentioned the, the feed our pack. That's actually, and keep in mind, I've never been to Wolverhampton, but when I heard that news that he donated 250,000 pounds worth of food, I told my wife that, and my wife said, you know what, that is why I like supporting this club. My wife's a big Wolves fan too. She said stuff like that. It's not just about 
the performances on the field. Here's somebody that's putting his money where his mouth is and has that relationship with the fans. And $250,000, that's a lot. Arsenal's getting rid of their mascot, and Nuno's putting up uh, you know, a quarter of a million of his own money for a food program and struggling Wolverhampton. So I think that's really going to be one of the big moments that I remember Nuno by. Also, actually, that first Manchester City game, the 2-0 win, where Adamas scored twice late. I think those are my two favorite memories. So we're going to move on and talk about who the next boss is and who you want. So I'm looking online, seeing at the sporting books, see what they're saying right now. Bruno Log is the favorite at four to five. Rafa Benitez is second at four to one. Paulo Francesco, he's third. And Scott Parker is fourth. And then you have guys like Frank Rampart and a few others that are down there. Paul, who do you want to see on the sidelines come September? I'm not bothered, which seems seems weird to say. I can't get excited yet about who it's going to be. And it, it just comes down to that we've got no... We've got no say over it. We've got no knowledge of what's going to go behind the scenes. My knowledge of the the Portuguese contingent isn't great anyway. But saying all that, neither was I an expert in how Nuno did prior to coming to us. I'm trying desperately not to put all my eggs in one basket when it comes to one of these guys, but just try and look for the positives, which whatever they go down that... It, it's a strategic decision and it's going to be for the betterment of the team and the, the betterment of the of the club overall and to improve on what Nuno did. I, I genuinely, I, I don't, again, it's going to come down to what direction that they go in. If it is that Portuguese route, if there is some Mendes involvement, that's going to be telling with the coach. I think out the two Portuguese guys, Paulo Fonseca stands out slightly. Personally, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too discouraged with Rafa. I know he can polarise opinions somewhat around being overly defensive and everything. But my ideal one, and I, I genuinely can't see it happening, but I'd be a Steven Gerrard guy. I'd get him from Rangers and high-profile arrival, Hopefully, would have some parallels to what Brendan Rodgers did from going to Celtic to Leicester. Uh, but he'd be the caliber of coach that, especially the younger guys, would look up to and, and respect. But I just can't see that given the, the structure of the. Teddy, who do you want to see? Yeah, I'm also. I don't think anyone here is a Portuguese league expert, so no one really has too <laughs> I know, much. we need Dave Batista. Yeah, no one really has too much information on this. Let's talk about the, the style we want to see more. I think this year we were really defensive. I was looking through the article on the Athletic about amount of sprints that were run, and Wolves were near the bottom, very low intensity throughout the season, which we've all seen, but... I, and obviously the last season was 59 games. Yeah, they've been very fatigued, but yeah, they've been outrunning almost every single game. I think seeing some pressing as well. Wolves were also bottom of the chart in that. Yeah, I think there's a lot to change about this team. 
And I think a lot of managers could come in and, and do a successful job with that. I will say, just from reading, watching some of his games with, with Shakhtar Donetsk, I think Paulo Fonseca as well would be a... He's been playing a three-at-the-back system with Roma. I think that would be good for our players to know that. And yeah, his, his midfielders have been a little more dynamic about getting into the box. They've, they've seen a little more pressing, I think. I think he'd be my guy, but again, I'm keeping an open mind. I just want to see a, a change stylistically in, in how we play because, yeah, this season was really, every it single was game was really yeah. tough to watch. <laughs> Andrew, who's your guy? Okay, this is a really one on, that's not even on the list, but it's quite surprising, is uh, Claudio Ranieri. Remember him, the Leicester guy that took them? What's interesting is, as of Saturday night, he actually stepped away from his contract at Sampdoria on Saturday night. And uh, he actually, the group has actually done quite well. And he put three past Palmer and actually walked away from, uh, from his contract. So I'm looking at this thinking, is he a real dark horse out there? Because he does have the premiership. Kind of plays a style that we would probably be fitting quite nicely. And uh, he took Leicester. Yeah, he had some bad luck, there's no doubt, in his third year's season. But when he stormed that Leicester as the premiership, very interesting guy. He's very, very formation attack. Got a good back line. I don't remember the system that he plays, but maybe that's something on the radar that we might find out next week saying, hey, he's in Wolverhampton for him. Interesting. Interesting. Alex? Basically, there are a lot of good names on there. None of them. I'm I'm with managers coming into a new situation. It's a bit of a crapshoot. I personally want Graham Potter to to basically come up and, and join. He plays a three at the back system at, at Brighton. They, in terms of the expected statistics, they, they've done fairly well. Wolverhampton is a bigger club than Brighton. If we can fight off some other names, I would personally want him, especially when uh, they've said they're looking for more domestic signings in this window. Uh, I feel bringing in a basically a stylistic English manager would fit well. Yeah, the domestic signings is interesting because of Brexit, like Wolfman pointed out earlier. Okay, Jeff, who's your guy? My heart's not in it, and uh, <laughs> my, I have not wrapped my head around this one bit. Part of it is, I guess I this is Nuno's day. So I haven't put any gray matter to this at all. I do agree with Paul that Gerard would probably be our best if we could happen. The other one I like is a long shot, but I've heard his name mentioned, Joaquin Leuve. I'm hearing his time at Mannschaft may be ending after 15 years. Brings in a lot of quality, may like the challenge, but that's probably fantastic. Guys, we're missing the obvious choice here because he's already said he's leaving Real Madrid. It's Zinedine Zidane. I thought you were going to say, gonna say big When do you think the move's going to be made, Paul? you think we're going to go know this next week? Uh, we, we're talking a lot about what Spears has put out, and, and one of his was telling that after the game today that I think previously it was either him or some other reports this morning that said it was a three-man shortlist with Lager and Fonseca and one others. But then after the after the game, he, he purportedly said that the vacancies opened up some interest for some big names. So mm-hmm. who those it are, should. I don't know. Yeah, it yeah, should, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting in terms of timelines again. If this was something that's been kicking around for a few weeks now, I think we could see something happen in the next week or two. 
but if the dynamic has shifted in that there are new names entering into the fray, then it may run a little longer. Is anyone concerned about, you know, with Bruno Lager being out of work for so long and no one's snapping him up? Is that a big red flag for us? Well, there's, 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 there's work permit issues there by all accounts as well. It's not just the players that it applies to, it's the, the coaching staff as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's got the manager experience that allows him to get a work permit. So things like that are up in there somewhere. I'm not sure. I think he worked at Swansea City as an assistant coach. Yeah, um, Wednesday so I, as well, maybe. Yeah, yeah, so I think he has a little more experience in England to get through those work permits. But I might be wrong about that. I'll tell you what, I mean, Andrew's been right thus far. I'm kind of curious to see. It's good. Andrew, so we've been joking that you need to do some meditation and stuff. Do you feel a little stress-free now? No, never. No, I just, I don't know. I'm still, I couldn't sleep Saturday morning when the, I just couldn't sleep. When the news came out, I thought, my gosh, he's going to stay at least another another year. But. It is what it is. We have no control over it. And, no, I blame uh, you entirely. I blame oh, you entirely. Come on. Because I texted you that morning. Oh, no, he's out. And you were like, <laughs> come on. So, I don't know. We'll see. The good thing is, if we get the Italian guy, forget hot dogs and fish and chips. We're going to be serving bolognese and pasta at the, at the ground now. If we get the Italian guy. So, another thing somebody brought up is on actually premiership morning. There's strong rumors also that the stadium may be moved. Huh. Did you? Uh, did anyone catch that? About no. the, they're talking of so it's called the I-54 freeway, which goes in towards Telford, Shrewsbury that way, and uh, there's a lot of land over that way, and they thought that they might build because you can go right through from Wolverhampton to another train that would take you right into the stadium. And they would move the stadium for where its current location is to just on the I-54, not too far, where they call the Land Rover facility. It's easy access. It's a freeway, motorway, and they can take the train all the way from Wolverhampton Station all the way in. And those rumors that that's on the books, that the old St. Luke's place might not be the new Molyneux. There'll be a new Molyneux down the road. So if they're going to attract a big name, and you talk about money for an investment and a new stadium, now you might get someone that might be totally shocking. For we know, you know. It, yeah. it looks like somebody just ran over Paul's dog by the faces he's making to that. <laughs> well, I mean, right, right doing the arm because his name's Nuno, so he's long, long forgotten now already. So I'm, I'm changing the dog's name to New Name instead of Nuno. Alex, what were you going to say? Yeah, and in terms of that, it makes complete sense because those trains and that development have been done by other Chinese companies. That's why they had bought Birmingham, why they had bought West Brom, why they had bought those other ones there is because of the infrastructure that they were building from London to Birmingham and moving the stadium would be a boost fiscally to that. So I'd imagine it, it makes sense from a financial standpoint and the groundwork has been set. So uh, I think there are definitely some legs to the rumor. I would not obviously want it to happen, but there's definitely some legs to that rumor. Yeah. Cause they were mentioning the Steve ball stand now is very old and there's a lot of repairs that are needed and they're not really getting on top of those repairs quick enough. 
So it makes you wonder is if they're going to be breaking, looking at breaking some new ground, maybe this season into next season to get the 50,000 plus stadium. And if they can get some of those fans from London and elsewhere to come in and go right from, from the station to station right in, it'd be interesting. Interesting. It might be tough, uh, maybe another year out because of the pandemic and financial. I never want to see the stadium move. But if it comes to the point where we're going to bring in this new state-of-the-art stadium and we bring in new management, then you start attracting even larger players because that's a very nice part of, of Wolverhampton towards Telford, Shrewsbury, out that way. It's very nice areas. Not that Wolverhampton's bad. It's just saying it's a very nice region of the Midlands. And if they're going to start getting new people, because it's always the tough thing about, I want to live in Manchester, I want to live in London, so they get the good players. But all of a sudden now, if you start saying, yeah, we're building this, doing that, and we're going to expand, and we're going to have shops around, and people can have a family day, and more of an entertainment day, it's all about the dollar, pounds, and and it could happen. We'll see. Teddy? Uh, Yeah, I don't disagree with that's all about the money, and that there would be a lot more money to make in a new stadium, but... Yeah, construction prices are at an all-time high right now, and Fosun just lost uh, a bunch of money. A lot of companies did during the pandemic. I really don't see them footing up the bill within the next year to two years, but could be. And yeah, I just want to say there's also something special about my, my first time in Wolverhampton, going in through the train, walking through the town center, um, going going to Molyneux. I think a lot of people would, would miss that if, if the stadium was moved. And it's not something that us Americans might appreciate, but yeah, it's definitely a special experience that, that I think would be, yeah, it'd, it'd make the club more commercialized for right now. I feel like the it's, it's really like a city club right now. Um, Yeah, I was going to just take off from what Alex had said, because I've seen several reports on the reason why so many Chinese companies are in the West Midlands, and it has to do with investment in its transportation. And at its heart, and I don't think that Fosun is like the Cronkies or like the Glazers, but they are an investment company, and there may be money to be made by development so that may be a thing they do but secondly probably more importantly personally is what brought me into to the wolves is the fact that i was doing genealogy and i'm a molyneux so as long as they don't change the name but i do have a connection there it it would hurt because it's so embedded and so ingrained but to get what the people really want and the people need for a stadium especially if we want to get to that constantly in europe into champions league that i don't that's very possible that is the only way they're going to be able to do the stadium that way of course there was also big news that came out with a new kit manufacturer which we've known about this for a while but now it was uh for sure confirmed paul are you excited to see what castor can do because we i think we've all been a little disappointed with adidas this last year yeah, from the reports that came out, it seems like it's somewhat of a, a new merchandising model. So I, I'm all for it. I think if they, uh, the thing is, we, when it comes to all of this, good kits sell, good kits visually sell. So it doesn't really matter who, who it's made by as long as it looks good. So hopefully I think with the, they've got a night like they're, they seem to portray a very more upmarket brand 
I think if they just stick to plain and simple old gold and black, I think it could look really nice. And then off the back of that, yeah, the general merchandise, it can be more more tailored to the club rather than the Adidas template that, that everyone gets. I think they can do some really good stuff. And I think they're doing that to a certain extent already in terms of the some of the licensing that they've got for kind of baseball caps and some fan initiated things as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be good. Alex? Yeah, I mean, with that, the thing that I like the most about the Castor arrangement, it, with the first of its kind that Wolves themselves are manufacturing the replica kits. So they are the first club ever to do that. And so that is going to, if people are going to buy all those replica kits and with Castori Pro kits costing a hundred pounds or more potentially, I think a lot of ones are going to buy it. I think that's going to be a bigger revenue generator than a lot of them past because normally like in a deal with Adidas, maybe Wolves get five pounds per each shirt. This time they, I mean, with the cost factoring, they'll get 40 pounds, mm. so, I mean, for a full price one. So I, I feel that that will give that, that little bit extra, extra money to go out and, and get those players and, and build upon that. And, uh, and Rangers kits uh, look fairly good because they've had Castori this year. And uh, I just hope to see what, what happens. And I'm sure we'll be better than our away kit, certainly. Oh, God. Which we only wore once, by the way. I think that's yeah. hilarious. Wolfman? Yeah, I was going to agree. Yeah, I was not a fan of the away kits. I do love our Portuguese kits. I just love the moxie of it. But the thing I'm mostly uh, worried about, Josh, is who is going to be the kit sponsor? Yes. I would. Yes. I want one that's not an online betting company. Let's class it up. Fosin owns Club Med. Come on, put Club Med on there. Let's, you know, let's raise that up. If we want people to take us more serious, some betting online betting company that most people never heard of may not be the best way. How about you, Teddy? I'll just say, Jeff, you weren't a fan of the the money shop, the predatory loan uh, <laughs> agency when I was there. At least uh, I've at least I have heard of Money Shop, and they actually made a shirt that was big enough for Wolfman. So I guess I can't be, <laughs> and that's pretty rare. Otherwise, I gotta duct tape two of them together. <laughs> Andrew. I think it's great. The rumors are, what, five to seven million pounds. They sponsor a Formula One team and a few other things. They said the material was important, the feel, the look uh, of the feel of the, the shirt. The other thing is, what's really interesting, is that over 30% of the women who go to the games can't buy a woman's shirt. Huh, and, and, this company, and this company has decided, we're going to make the shirts for the women fit, the cut slightly tender in the middle and different areas and they're going to change and they're betting that uh, they can make more money because they will actually cut the shirt more tailored to to ladies and rather than the ladies having to buy a medium from the kids section and say that's good enough so now it opens up uh, another avenue here for more uh, jeff you had something to add yeah it was just to, to to come off what he said about the importance of the feel of the kit I think if they go with that, they need to have one that is special Adama baby oil feel. Oh, like yes. That would, that would just would go right off, of, right off the <laughs> show. In yeah. fact, can we make that the sponsor? Can yeah, we make Johnson? That's the baby oil. 
Yeah. Or it could it could have some it could have some fake it could have some fake sleeves. So he trots yeah. out there yeah. in long sleeves, and the first guy to grab one of the sleeves, it pulls apart, and off he goes running through. So detachable sleeves, Castor. I think you'll be on to a winner. And it, and it sticks to and it sticks to that player, and and it does like a die, like a blue die on it, so they can't talk themselves out of what, what they did. <laughs> The proof is there whether or not VAR is hard or not. It's like being like in the pool, right? Being in the pool, yeah. yeah. Has, it, has anyone seen the designs? And there were a few floating around the internet. Look pretty cool. I uh, saw a couple, but I don't. I, I never really pay attention to those because they're always yeah. wrong. Again, I think yeah. that's what, one thing with this particular the deal as well, that we always got an inkling of what was happening with Adidas way before the club wanted it to, to come out whether it was a player revealing it accidentally or someone had seen it and took a photo when it was getting produced or something like that. I reckon they've been really specific with Castor to say it's going to be complete radio silence till 9am of the day that we're going to launch it and that's it. So I think a number of factors of those go into the decision about who they're going to utilise moving forwards. It's strategic as far as that goes as well. I'll tell you what, the the home kit, What just again, just quick images, look really nice. It reminds me of the, remember the hole? You started a little bit of a stripe, a very thin stripe down, so it was the gold. But the away strip was very nice. It was white, and it had this sort of pattern of gold across chest a little bit. A very, a very interesting, very unique. Everyone I've showed to, like, oh, I like that. So, yeah. We'll Go see. ahead and text it to me, Andrew. <laughs> I will. I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to send it to you. Sure. <laughs> so as we wrap up here, we're going to ask one more question. And it's going to be tough because we don't know who all is going to stay and who all is going to go. But looking into the crystal ball, do you think Wolves are going to be closer to Champions League? or closer to bottom three next season? And Paul, I'm going to have you start. This is the eternal optimist in me that I think I'm programmed to be glass half full. And I'm just looking up to the heavens and praying this is the right choice. And it does genuinely take us to that next step. But again, I'm just coming back to how big a call it is and it, it's really coming down to Jeff and Fos and everything that goes into it. Mass, massive call, massive summer. I think my prediction now would be different when you come to ask me at the start of the season. So it really does come down to what happens this summer. Teddy? Yeah, yeah very tough question there, Josh. That's what right, I do. <laughs> right now, I'm just going to say closer to relegation, but that's obviously up in the air. Mm-hmm. Andrew? It looks no, like you're I'm, crunching I'm, some numbers over there. Yeah, no, I'm going to be optimistic because I think a lot of people... Whoa, whoa, are, whoa. Hold. Yeah, let's wait, stop yeah. the pressures. Andrew's going to be optimistic. <laughs> Hang on. I think we'll finish roughly 12th to 14th in our, in our next season, whoever we bring in. I think Jeff and everyone around will... Actually, Jeff Shee, sorry, not you, Mr. Wolfman. We'll look at uh, championship or top half of the league second come third season. Yeah, you better win it all type of thing, so... I, I I will keep optimistic on that side. If we get Bruno, I don't know. I'm not so sure. Alex? I mean, it, it's definitely tough. I mean, you look at Chelsea spent all this money in the, the offseason and still finished fourth again with it there. And, and needed a miracle to barely do that. Fourth. And yeah. Barely finished fourth. And, and so... 
with that, basically, that's the amount of fiscal effort needed to maintain or be better with a small net spend as we have. I feel that we certainly a lot more quality than some of the lower sides, but you look at Everton finishing 10th was right around the closest. So I think we'll be we'll be mid-table again. I think we're still going to have too much quality with that. We'll be mid-table again, but I still think points-wise we'll be closer to relegation than Champions League, though we'll be right around where, I think right around where we finished this year, pretty much as Andrew said, that 12th, 13th type of thing. So. Mm-hmm. Jeff? Let me see. I'm hovering around top dead center, and right around 10 is yeah. where my default is. And part of that is that is if we keep some of the key players that we talked about, if Raul comes back and he's healthy, I don't think we're going to be threatening back uh, in Europe this year. I think it's going to be the next year. I think whoever comes in, give them a year. And if, and if Nuno was able to get us to 14, limping, then if we keep a lot of our pluses and add, then I would like to see us between 8 to 12. I, I, I think that's what I'd go with, between 8 and 12, too. Paul, as we're closing out here, how's the listener survey coming online? Yeah, we're keeping it open for certainly through the, the close of the show and the wrap-up for the season, listeners. So if you haven't done it yet, the, the links are on our socials, on Facebook and Twitter. And you can also go direct to com to get your feedback of, of our first season and the tweaks and improvements that that we can make uh, next year. On one of the questions, in fact, I'll give you a little tease is who's your favorite guest? And so far out of all the entries, it's Wolfman Jeff, who's by yeah. far <laughs> outweighed in front. So make of that what you will, listeners. Yes. Will. You know, if you don't, it could have been him just going on there and voting three times with three yeah, different Yeah, let me check the IP address. Fuck it, Andrew! Send <laughs> <laughs> the check later, okay? <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, so definitely keep voting in that because we'd love to hear the feedback. And next year, like we're hoping the Wolves, we're going to come back bigger and better than ever. Based on that, Josh, just a ton of thank yous as well to wrap up. Teddy, Andrew... Wolfman, Alex, to start with, if it wasn't for the the help of you guys and Justin and Mike and David and everyone who's come on as a guest, just thank you, because I know it's time out of your busy lives, but it it really helps us a bunch put out some quality content. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Going to extend that out to everyone who's contributed in any way bit of tweet social media interaction social shout outs you name it it's been fantastic to have that input from you a few more wolfpack howlers thanks guys so much for allowing us to to use your music and and the musical interludes thanks so much for that back to the club as well alan perrins who runs worldwide wolves been a huge help certainly in in allowing us to secure guests like bully and Carl Henry this season. So thanks to Alan and the club, Joe Hunt for coming on, International Development Officer. Everything that's gone into whole lot of walls, if you've been a part of it, thank you from from the bottom of my heart. It means it means a ton. And I'm gonna add on to that and say, Paul, you are the man. I, I need to find out. One of you guys needs to tell me how do we nominate Paul should be 
the Wolves fan of the year. Because let me tell you what, this is not an easy podcast to do. Paul will be up tonight. He will be editing it, and he'll have it out there. He runs the social media accounts. He gets all the guests booked. He's gotten some awesome guests. He's always reaching out, comes up with the script. Paul, you are the man. I know all of us really appreciate it. I thank you for bringing me along on the ride. This is great and look forward to doing some more great stuff. And yeah, let's start a a campaign. We need Paul (laughs) as fan of the year. 100%. I'm I'm tearing up here. All all I want is a is a good coaching appointment. That that's all <laughs> all I want, all I need. That would make my summer. Awesome. But I'm going to wrap up. It, it's not the usual spiel because who knows what's going to happen. Who would have thought this time last week that we'd be even chatting about this subject? So I think we've all agreed it, it's going to be a crazy summer. It's not so much in Nuno we trust anymore. It's in in Fosun we trust, hopefully. So, Jeff, if you're listening, guys, George Mendes, whoever, don't let us down. Because Nuno had a dream To build a football team With Chinese owners and a wallet kid from Porto With five of the back